Let's all get our Bibles out. Let me hear those, those pages. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being fine. Yeah, here, let's click the flick, the flick, whatever. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I would like you to turn. We, we kind of sort of crawling through First Peter <laughs> in chapter 1. We're moving along. Now we're going to start still in the same chapter. And uh, I want to begin with verse 17. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, leave out, that's an imperative there, leave out your times as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and glorify him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all, this is he, he, uh, he quote from the Old Testament, for all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, in uh, following uh, chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babes, Christ, that's an imperative. That is not just a plain statement. There. That is a, almost like a command. Just like newborn babies, that, you know, the way they are, you guys crave for spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. How many wants to grow up in salvation? Good. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, it's not enough just to, to have the experience of the goodness of God. We need to grow up. All right, we've been going through this series of, of building spiritual people because that is pretty much the theme of, of, the, uh, of the, the first epistle of, of Peter. Epistle means a letter to be read publicly. It's not... The wife of the apostles is a epistle, a letter. It's a joke. So, uh, yeah. The, we've, gone, we've gone through the, 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 the first epistle, chapter 1, and then we, we're going through this idea of building spiritual people. And, uh, and we've covered all the different steps. And like I said, we are not 
natural people trying to be spiritual by doing spiritual activities, but we are actually spiritual people living in a natural world. All right, we've met that statement uh, over and over, and our and. Once again, our spirituality is not because of what we've done, but because all has to do with God. That's why I said the Christian spirituality is so amazing that it sets us apart from any other religion in the world, from the Eastern religion to Islam, even to Judaism, Jews. Because they have to do something to be spiritual, whereas we, actually, it's all about God, and we tackle all that from chapter 1, verse 1, and if you, if you want to be reminded again, First Peter chapter 1, it says, we are divinely chosen, the elect of God, okay? And we are, our spirituality, because we were, we were divinely elected. And our spirituality, because we are born again, that's what Peter said in verse 3. And he, this, and from, from talking about who we are, he then moved on to, to uh, our value. He said, we are greater than the prophets because they study our salvation, looking to the future, to, through the corridors of time. Like, what is going on? And we are living right now. Not only that, he closed that passage by saying that we are greater than the angels because even the angels are looking for us. Like I said, Jesus came to, to the world not to die for the fallen angels, but fallen humanity. Isn't that powerful? And, and then this is, this, is, this, is, this is what I love. You and I, our price tag is Jesus himself. He said, we are not bought by silver or gold, but by the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. My price tag is Jesus. Woo! <laughs> so he be- began with who we are, our identity, and then he moved on in First uh, uh, Peter chapter 13. From then on, he started, talking, he started talking about the importance of knowing who you are and just because that's what you, what you are, now you need to live like it. And he begins with, with this idea of girding up the loins of our minds because sometimes the way we think is not, it's not the way God designed us to be. Yeah? And I use the example. To God one night to get Israel out of Egypt, but took him 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Took us one night to get saved out of the world but it's going to take us a lifetime to get the world out of us. That's why in verse 13, he said three things. He said, first, girding up the loins of your mind. And then the next point in that same verse, being sober. What does that really mean to be sober? It's the opposite of being drunk. It really, what it means is you can be caught up in the pleasure of the world that you forget who you really are. That's why we need to be sober. The pleasure of the, of the world can intoxicate you and I that we have forgotten 
who we really are. So be sober. So prepare your mind for action. That's what girding up the loins of your mind. Number two, be sober. Then you can set your hope. We, we I keep pushing this thing because this is the, the biggest problem in many Christians. Or they can prophesy. They can even preach. They can do a lot of things. I want to say this just because God uses you. That is not a measure of our spirituality. You don't believe me? Look at Judas. <laughs> he was one of the 72 that was sent to heal the sick. Where's the dead? Yeah. So be sober. And then you can set your hope. Often people just, I'm just hopeful. I, no, you cannot just be hopeful unless you are, your mind, the, the, the loins of your mind are girded. You're prepared for it and you, you are sober. That's why I said anything less than that than, than those three points, it's just daydreaming. You're not hoping for anything. So, after declaring our essence, our identity, who we are, and then presenting this thing of the right thinking, then he starts to deal with right conduct. You know, sometimes we're trying to get in our discipleship we often our mistake is try to fix people with their conducts, but sometimes it's their thinking that's wrong. But once that's fixed, he moves to what it means means to have a right, you know, to, to have the right conduct. In verse 13 to 16, he presents the call for holiness. By the way, my title this morning, <laughs> I keep forgetting. The conducts of a spiritual person. So he he began in uh, he yeah, in in uh, verse thirteen he said, therefore be the loin uh, be the loins of your mind uh, the, the your minds being you know the, being girded the loins of your mind being girded, and then he quoted from uh, Leviticus. Be holy as I am holy. So after speaking of salvation, Peter, quoting Leviticus to be, to be exact, Leviticus 4, uh, 11 verse 44 and 45, Leviticus 19 verse 2, Leviticus 20 verse 7, I want to to give this, this uh, it's interesting because he talks about our salvation that the prophets look for, the angels look for it, from the theme of salvation to the theme of holiness. It's a very, very much an Old Testament, Old Testament, like I said, Peter's language is very much Exodus language, the narrative of Exodus, not just the book. Okay, the book of Exodus, if you can can wrap it up in one, one word, in one theme, is salvation or deliverance. Now, the book of Leviticus, the command to be holy as I am holy is repeated four times, which means 
that pretty much is the theme of the book of Leviticus. Holiness. So you can see Peter follows the pattern of Exodus and Leviticus. Salvation, holiness. Right? From Exodus, the book of the parting or the book of salvation or the book of deliverance, the next book is Leviticus, the book of holiness. So what, what can we, what conclusion can we, can we draw from the, here? Is that we are saved to be holy. Not we are holy to be saved, but we are saved to be holy. Now let me explain this, this idea of holiness. It's not the holier-than-thou kind of thing that people always sort of uh, mock. It's the same word that is used in chapter 1, verse 2, that we are chosen by God according to his foreknowledge by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. That word sanctification or sanctifying work is actually exactly the same meaning as holiness that we just read in verse 13 and 14. It's exactly the same word. One is Noun and the other one is adjective, holy, sanctification. All right? And the meaning of sanctification is, is this being set apart for something, being separated for something. As a matter of fact, God is holy. It means that God is totally set apart from every other thing being in the world because He's holy. He is totally set apart. And he wants his people to be also set apart. Now, so holiness is being set apart for God. Often we, we somebody once, I had a meeting with, with a few people, future leaders, just talking about stuff. Uh, pastors, from, and Anglican pastors and and. Uh, with, with this guy, uh, uh, Tim Costello, we, we were talking about stuff. And he said, the problem with Christianity is we are known for what we are against than what we are for. That's a good, that's a good statement, isn't it? It's a, shame, you know, it's a shame. We are known for what we are against than what we are for. Holiness is not about being just being separated from the world. It's First and foremost is being separated for God. And the result of that, there are some things that we have to cut off the things of the world. For the purpose. That's why in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 17, since you call on a father, there, there he goes, he's talking about about our identity, because now we can call God as our Father, who judges each person work impartially. Leave out the time as foreigners here in fervent fear. That's almost like an echo of what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 9. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
So, the idea of being separate from God, now, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay? As a matter of fact, I'd like to read it. Actually, let's, let's read it. Let's just... Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. It says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works or to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. But here's the thing. I like, I like uh, the verses before that. Start from verse 8. Let's read from verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works. Everybody say, not by works, so that no one can boast. I'm sorry to, to get you to repeat, but just to make a point. So this is the point. You, are, you and I are not saved, not by works, but for good works. That's a good one to remember. I'm saved. Yes, I am saved. Not by works, but for good works. That's why we need to gird up the loins of our minds. So it is more than just being separated from the world, but being separated for God and for his people. And then from identity to conduct, and then uh, this is where Peter in verse 18, for you know, and then he gives, gives again, you know, who we are. You know that in, not with perishable thing, such as silver or gold, you were redeemed from the empty way of life. He went on, and then, and then verse 19, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your sake. Through him you believed in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and saw your faith and hope are in God. So the question here that, that we can ask is this. So how does this holiness look like? What does that really mean to be separate from God? In real life, how does that really look like? Well, read further. This is how it looks like in our daily life. Verse 22. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, that's who we are, the result of us obeying truth, the nature of Christ happens in us and there is a, there is a tendency to love. God and love people. But then he emphasized with the imperative here, he said now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other this is the imperative. Here comes the imperative right now. Love one another deeply from your heart. The nature is there but now you need to act it. The nature of God to love people is there. Now we just have to act. 
So how does this love look like? The next chapter. Because of that, therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. You need to underline all those things. That is true love. Malice. Just being nasty. I've seen Christians who are just nasty. And I said, man, are you really born again? Like, they're malicious. He said, rid yourself from that. Come on. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means you say something and you leave, leave out another. I've said it before. As Christians, you should be easily predictable. People should be able to read you like a book. I think I've said this before. They might not like you, but they will respect you. That's true. You know, you've heard my testimony when I was working in a tire factory. The union and me, we just crashed all the time because I had a different principle. And they asked, literally, I mean, I've said to some of them, I said, no, I work for God even though I work here, but they just pay my wage, wage, but actually I'm serving God here. They hated me. But when the time, the moment came for a, new, for a selection or election for new shop stewards, a group of them came to me. Do you want to be a shop steward? I said, you guys, you got to be kidding. You know where I stand in this thing. And you know what they said? I know, I know exactly. You made it clear what you believe. But we know you're not going to lie to us. They know they can trust you. Because you are predictable. There's no hypocrisy. You're not going to lie to us. <laughs> I love that. That's the, the, best, the best compliment I've ever received <laughs> from the union, from my enemies. You know? <laughs> Envy. Envy. Good up the loins of your mind, guys. It creeps into you. Envy just creeps into you. Subtly. Somebody is more blessed, looks better than you. Like, whatever it is. Like, you know why? Why can't you just be satisfied with what God has given you? Like, remember a few, few weeks ago, I preached on Thanksgiving. Just thank God, you know. Envy. Slander, oh my goodness. You know, let's pray for our sisters and sons. <laughs> you, you hear that language? Because, you know, I hear. Things. 
We just don't control, we don't control our minds. We are a full gospel church, not full gossip church. I want to say this. All those descriptions of that that is listed above describes one thing. You're not true love. You're not true love. If I can use the in a simple term, what true love is is best interest. You know. You love people and you do things just for the best interest. And you know what false love is? Self-interest. And that is the description of what self-interest is. Because you do all those things. You malice because you're, you're, you know, it's self-preservation. Deceit is like hypocrisy. It's all self-preservation. What did Jesus say? Unless you deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow me, you're not worthy of my disciples. Isn't that strong? What Jesus is doing is this. Listen, you want to follow me? I make no room for self-preservation. I said again. What Jesus is saying is this. To be my disciples, I make no room for self-preservation. You can say the right thing, but it's all self-interest. I've said, and somebody once said, I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. A man wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. <laughs> Do you like that? It's not, it's not original for me. I heard it from somebody. A man wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. So our separateness toward God, the next thing is, that, that, that the next point that Peter, Peter presents here in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Up our separateness, holiness, separateness toward God, Okay, just to keep, keep it in a simple, simple term. Have you gone to, a, to an office where, or even a car park here, and you want to park, and then it says, uh, this car park, this spot is assigned for the principal. You know, for the principal. That's what, that's what sanctification is. It was like, almost like, no, no, this person is actually, has been assigned cut out. Like, you know, you know, in some families, when they, when they have cups for coffee, and then you got a cup mark that says dad, you know, that means nobody's going to touch that because that's, that belongs to dad, you know, like, it's, our lives like that. It's like, it's got a written name in that. It's like, it's, it's marked out. It's like a car park they've been actually assigned for a specific purpose. I have the name of God in me. I can't use it for anything else, only for God's purpose. That's what your life is. 
When God made you, he put a name. Okay. Separate it from me. That's what holiness is. So our, this next point, our separateness, not only being separate unto God, not only just love one another, but also actually has to be seen in our pursuit and hunger and thirst for him. Read the next verse. This is the last verse I'm going to read. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. So after we separate our lives, now, how do we live our life? Do we live our life in the pursuit of God? Now, I'm not saying you can't be successful. No, God wants you to be successful. But everything you do, do it for the Lord. As unto God, if you are a doctor, then be the best doctor. And be... Be an ambassador for God in the field that you, you, you're in. I'm here as an ambassador for God. Like I said before, I was just a factory worker. They call it, I'm a tire builder. I was a tire builder. I was a tire builder for God. <laughs> Everybody could read me because I live for God. That's why I said to Ben, I said, Ben, I don't care where you are, in LA, in London, I can't reach those people, but you're there. I said, two rules for you. Be a good ambassador for Jesus. Number two, pay your tithes. (laughs) 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 Grave. Pure spiritual milk, so that by it, by craving for it, okay, so by it, by that action, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have uh, tasted that the Lord is good. It's an echo of uh, Matthew 5, verse 6. Where Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can I have the measles, please? The point in Matthew 6 is this. That that I've made it before, but I'd like to, to just keep hitting it. Jesus didn't celebrate the righteous, but he celebrates those who hunger and thirst for it. He didn't say, blessed are the righteous. No, he said, hunger and thirst for it. And he didn't, even, he didn't, didn't also say, blessed are the hungry and the thirsty. Adjective. He said, blessed are those who hunger. Verb. And as a matter of fact, present tense. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's present tense. Present tense in Greek means it's a habit. It's, it's, it's a fact. It's what happens. It's like Australians speak English 
disciples of Jesus hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're not there yet, but keep, we'll be making our business to pursue God every day, every moment of our lives. That's what we do. I wake up every morning, I have breakfast. As a disciple of Jesus, I crave the pure spiritual milk. I hunger and thirst. Let's all stand up. something. Let's just sit down. Sit down. We'll sit. I'm too glad I'm not professional. I tried that. It didn't work. I might as well give up being professional. I'm just a dad. Just a pastor. My wife uh, has something to to say. So uh, she has something to announce. Come on down. tipped me over when he said I'm just a dad because that's exactly what he is. He makes me cry. All right. So we've got an announcement today. It's a family announcement, church family announcement, and it's, it's sad, but it's happy and it's okay. Um, today we're going to be saying goodbye to two of our gorgeous young women, and um, we've journeyed with them over the years, and as we stand in a minute and release and, and go and have something to eat, I'm going to ask... Um, their friends to come up and we're going to gather around them and pray for them. Um, and that is Natalie Phillips and beautiful Sarah Bacco. Um, in fact, why don't you girls come on up here now? And um, now I'm going to cry. Uh, you know, these girls are, um, we've had the privilege of journeying with them over the years and, and um, it's been amazing. Sarah, I think you've been here for 12 years, yeah? How long have you been here? Seven. And um, you know, it's been, um, people come and go in church, that's that's normal, guys, we all understand that, and some of you are new here, and you've come from other churches, and that's that's okay, um, but it's, you know, the longer you go with someone, the longer you journey with someone, the more you invest your heart, and your life, and your soul into them, and it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, and I know with Nat, it's been amazing, you know, uh, walking, <laughs> walking with her through the depths of her parents, Mum and Dad, we've been what ten weeks of each other, or something horrible like that. And uh, you know, just the privilege. Like, it's hard as pastors. That's why when Brian said, "I'm just a dad," because he's a dad, but he's a spiritual dad. We love people. We don't do this because we're trying to build some mega church. We actually just love people, and um, loving people costs. Because the day comes when you have to sometimes say goodbye to them, can't you? Sarah, you put your arm around me too. Um, we love Sarah. We journeyed with her. And I'm really proud of our pastors and leaders that have, who have poured their hearts into these girls. Carvin, Bernadette, Nicoletta, all of them. Herman, everyone, all of, all of our leaders and all the ones that I haven't mentioned. Chucky, where's Chooks? Chooks is behind me, isn't he? Chooks and Alana as the worship team pastors. And... Um, 
you know, our, we've trained our people to give and to love and to serve. And um, over the years, these girls have also loved and given and served. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you both for that. If I could put my arm around you and to still talk, I would, darling. Um, but uh, they're moving on, and today's their last day, I think. Is that right? Yeah? And we're... We've start, I think we've started a new campus. It's called Melbourne Life Edge. Was that a good joke? Is that speaking to the elephant in the room or what? I think that was a good joke. Chooky, that was your kind of joke, Chooks. That was a good one. So we are blessing Melbourne Life Edge. Half our church is over there now. And that's, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> because God actually only sees one church. All right, my darlings, everyone. We can, we're not afraid to talk about this stuff. And we love these girls. I want to thank you, Natalie, for stepping up and um, uh, looking after kids the way you did. And Sarah, you've given all these years a music team. Come on, you gorgeous thing. Team and kids' life, and all sorts of things, yeah. And we've watched you both journey in DMS, and you know, watched God do a great work in you in Indonesia at DMS when you came over. And, um, and those things warm our hearts, don't they, guys? Because that's what we live for, and that's what we love for, so that we can pour our lives into people and see freedom. And if this is their, their next journey, then this is their next journey. And uh, are we sad to let them go? Hey, what do you think? Of course we are, because they're our spiritual kids. But you know what? We love them and we want the best for them. And so um, I'm sorry for crying. I don't think it would have been normal if I hadn't cried. (laughs) Let's face it. We all knew Di was going to cry, right? Um, So as we close, um, we're going to pray for these guys. And, uh, and so if you, you know, while the rest of you want to go and start um, eating and drinking and being merry, um, let's, let's, let's gather around these guys and pray for them, okay? Have I forgotten anything? We love you. We love them. All right? And we know we'll see them again. Okay? We'll see them again. I just, I want everyone to know what a privilege it is for us as pastors. I think it's the the greatest, most rewarding job in the world, but I think it's the most heartbreaking job in the world. It's not something you do because you want to be a big name or you want to be famous. I tell you what, you die every second of your life. And, um, we do this because we love people and we love God and we want to see people grow in the Lord and we want to see people find true joy and true freedom and true happiness and it's hard to let people go but it's not our job to keep them either and we know that and uh, so we bless them, we release them and I hope everyone just really gives them huge hugs and smothers them with kindness and goodness and tells, you, tells them how much you love them, okay? And uh, But I love our family. I love our church family. And you know what? Our church family is not limited, excuse me, is not limited to Melbourne Life. It expands to Melbourne Life Edge, okay, everyone? 
silly. All right. So we'll pray. And then I'm just going to ask the friends to come on up, gather around, Mariah, and pray for them. Father, we just thank you. Oh, how can I hold a microphone, blow my nose, and put my arms around them? Thank you. That's better. Um, Lord, we just thank you for, for the privilege of having Kev. For Natalie and Sarah, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy that will follow them all the days of their lives, Father. That will dwell in the house of the Lord, Father, and that's actually all that matters. And God, we speak blessing over them. We speak joy. We speak kindness. We speak mercy. We speak freedom. We speak destiny and the goodness of God. We know it will follow them, Father. And Father, we bless Edge Church, Lord, and, and uh, we bless the people that have left here to go there. Father, we bless them, Lord. And we know that, God, you see one church, Father. So we ask you, Father, for your, for your kindness, even over us as a church. Lord, to minister to those who, who might um, be shocked or disappointed or saddened. But Father, I pray that you would just help us to keep our focus on you and to keep building people the way you want us to build them, Father. And we speak and we and we release them now with joy and with blessing and with kindness and with mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm gonna ask um just as we sing that song again. Do you want to sing us again? Did you want to say anything or we'll just pray? Yeah. Um have I got mascara all down my face? Yeah, okay. Um all right, let's just stand. Let's just sing this song. This is an amazing song. And uh, this is how we'll end. The rest of you are released to go and have something to eat. But if you want to come up and pray, I want you to just stand over here. And uh, people are going to come up and pray for you now. And uh, those of you that want to come up, come up and pray and, and just bless them, okay? Awesome. And the rest of us were dismissed.